What's going on? Welcome to Totally Blitz Podcast. We in the Fight Club recapping UFC Charlotte. That was over the weekend. And as always, before we break it down, go down, like, and subscribe, comment what you thought on the card. Uh, let's introduce our host. I'm Paul. Pick a win on Concha. I got my shot poured up. And who's with me? Man, I had to knock the damn crust out of my eyes because you know it's your boy, Kev. Water boy, Savoy, a.k.a. the Dom P.Y.E. You feel me, man? UFC Charlotte. Charlotte, they say this was the um highest, not highest grossing fight night or most sold fight night, but like this, this is like this hit a fight night record for the UFC. I can't remember exactly what it was, but this 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 car hit a fight night record for the UFC. And Dana White's fucking with the boys. He said they're gonna bring a pay per view back to them eventually. But how'd you feel about the Charlotte crowd, man? Charlotte crowd was decent. Um, I, nothing too crazy for me. Like that really like made me feel like, oh, this crowd's bringing it or this crowd's not bringing it. I felt like it was a pretty decent crowd. Uh, the overall the car, I felt like a lot of people were saying this car was a five or a six out of ten. But for me, like the last three cards, like five out of like other than the the pay per view, but like the other fight night cards, I kept coming on here week after week talking about this car was bullshit. This card, I felt like, was banging. Like, yeah, there was some sketchy judging in the beginning, some bad refs in the beginning, but, like, after the first couple of fights, smooth sailing, KOs, submissions, like, I felt like, the, I feel like the, the fighters brought it more than anything. Nah, dead eyes, man. This bitch was on ABC, man. What's it called? Dana White, he got a lot of respect for them boys out there, ABC with the Wild Wild Sports. And I'm not going to lie to you, but I couldn't imagine being a kid with no cable and just, just be flipping through channels Saturday at 3. And then seeing dudes fighting in the octagon for blood, like, like this shit is that shit is crazy. I couldn't, I would never have expected to see a shit like this on ABC. But now that it's here, I'm just like, I need more. And I heard that they're having another ABC card in June. But I love the card. It was a pretty good card. I'd give it a strong seven and a half, eight. But I'm, I guess I'm just a UFC fan now because like I'd be loving all these fucking cards. And I'm giving seven out of eight. The the fights like. I won't say a lot of them were like there. I won't say super impactful, but there were some, like especially on the main card. Like you had prospects, like like someone asked a simple question: Who do you think gets a title shot first? Uh, Jalton Almeida, Ian Gary, or Johnny Walker? And I was like, damn, like all three of them honestly could be like. I'm not saying their next fights are gonna be title shots, but like Ian Gary does crack the top fifteen with his win, and he looked fucking great doing it. And Johnny Walker, I mean, light heavyweight, so so skimp right now. Who knows? And then Jalton Almeida, I mean, we were saying it in the picks episode. Like, this is the fucking future of heavyweight. And he just walked through a, a, a former contender. Yeah, I think um, me personally, I think that's a really, really great question. Um, I think I would give it to Knuckles because Knuckles is the one who, who proposed the question. Shout out my boy, man. But, um... I give it to Jensen Almeida because I think he has the best chance of not losing. Um, and then Ian Gary. I don't think Johnny Walker is probably going to fight for the title. I'm not going to lie to you. But Ian Gary. Um, Ian Gary definitely can get out there. But he has like a six-fight plan or some shit. Like he wants to he wants to work his way through the rankings and beat everybody. So when he does get that champion shot and win a championship, he already ran through his division type shit. He's a, little, he's, he's a wacky motherfucker. I fuck with him though. But, yeah, I give it to Jensen. Who would you give it to? Out of the three on the final three fights, I don't think it's Gary just because welterweight's a little thicker in competition and there's some other people like I mean Kobe Covington has a fight in like a year and a half, but yeah, he's he's next in line. And then you have Belil, then you got Shavkot. Like 
there there's a line of motherfuckers right now that all have a reason to fight uh for the championship. So like I don't see him. Almeida, I agree. I think it's Almeida just because he beats like he called out Ty Tuivasa. I think later he didn't do it in the fight post fight, but he did say it um later. And I mean Ty Tuivasa, you beat him, you automatically crack top five, and then from there, like you really don't have to fight anybody else. You just have to be just waiting. Like you don't you don't have to go fight the number one guy at heavyweight if they could like they could easily just match make it how they want to. Once the moment you crack top five, like. You could fight for a title, doesn't matter. I mean, ask Irene Aldana. She's fucking fighting for a title in a couple weeks. But yeah, but that's a couple. That's um, that's a, yeah, I know, um, I know. I got, I got a point to prove, Kev. Bro. <laughs> I'm just saying, I was like, uh, I see, she was doing Dana a favor on that. One. Or the Korean but, Zombie versus Volk. I think he was like fourth rank. Like it was just like you know, like oh yeah, that was. It was like we didn't want to see Max again <laughs> at the time. Yeah. We didn't want to see him and Max again. But um, yeah, I think this shit was a good card, but. I think that the Charlotte, they have the most domestic. That's what it is. They have the most, the highest selling fight, the highest selling fight night domestically. And those are like a two point nine million. And I'd be laughing at all the gates now because I'd be like, I was there for eleven point two. I paid eleven point two million. Two point nine, boo. <laughs> wipe my butt, wipe my ass with two point nine. But they did have like eighteen thousand people there. I mean, shit. Uh... Let's just, let's just jump into the card. Let's start all the way, not all the way at the bottom, but we got to talk. The man from Charlotte, the man putting on his fucking, the put on for his city with, what was it, like the fourth fastest knockout in UFC history? That's the low cut. He looked clean in the blonde. They said blonde Brian Battle is a mythical fighter, bro. Like 14 second KO. Gabe Green came out swinging. Gabe Green went to sleep. Pretty quick fight. Yeah, that was interesting. I don't know what game plan Gabe Green came with. Because, well, first off, you know me. I'm big, big on haircuts. I, I'm one of my favorite stories in the Bible is Samson. So hair and power is very, um, have something to do, have something to work, coincide with each other. So motherfucking, but I don't know what the fuck Gabe Green came in with. He came in with the idea that, like, yo, this dude just slapped my bitch's ass and, and I got to do something. Like, I was like, just came in there ready to bang, and I was like, that's cool, but, like, you got caught very, very early in that fucking exchange, and I'm just like, why? I I said in the post-fight chats, I was just like, only thing I can even give him, like, any thought of is, like, he went in there with the idea of, like, this is going to be what I'm going to do, and either one, it's going to look really good if I KO him, and I, like, or I just, like, I, like it's either, it either looks really good, like, oh, shit, like, I can't believe he did that, and he won. Versus, it blows up in your face, and it just happened to be it blew up in his face because now everybody's sitting there like, "Gabe Green, what the fuck were you smoking before this fight?" Because that they what type of game plan? But if he would have came out and let's say wobbled him in the first exchange, and like we would have been like, "Oh shit, Gabe Green, like good plan." Like I just feel like it was one of those either you either you're a genius because it worked out. Or you look like a fucking idiot because it blew up in your face, and it just happened to be oh you you're an idiot. You, you got knocked out in 14 seconds, brother. No, nah. it gave me big time to a Boston versus um Derek Lewis. Like that was probably one of the cards we ever first card we ever covered. It was giving me one of those vibes. Like they just came in there and said, "Yeah, man, we're gonna stand and bang." I feel like um Brian Battle wasn't even expecting that. He was looking like the fuck. Well, okay, no, he said in the post fight, he was like, I was not expecting that, but I just kind of just 
took it and flowed with it. Then uh, our next two fights after that, I mean, I'm not even going to cover them really, but the Braum and DeAndre fight, bad refs. The refs giving fighters like uh, Douglas Silva DeAndre position back on the feet, even though he was on bottom position when he did something illegal. And Strom is actually appealing that fight because of that reason. And also this bad judging. Everyone I know thought the fight was 29-28 for Strom. Uh, and another fight, Braum getting the split decision win over Kim and like the the ref was just taking points left and right. Like I understand you got to take points, but damn, brother, he was just at his will and discretion. He was taking some fucking points at his discretion. And even then took two points from Kim and bomb still only won via split decision in a two round fight. So like, take that for what it is. <laughs> no, that's interesting. I wasn't watching this, but I'm guessing I was rolling or something. Cause I, you, you saved but, yourself. Yeah. You saved yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I was scheming on ABC. Nah, see, this was still ESPN, bro. This was still, the, this was still Disney. Oh, right oh, here. The, the usual, the usual, the usual suspects, the usual culprits. Then we had a uh, Carl Williams an Amos decision win over Chase Sherman, the Vanilla Gorilla. I Vanilla Gorilla, bro. Other than his nickname, I don't think he's a UFC caliber fighter. Like, I, he's one. Of, he's in that Chris and uh, Chris Dawkins situation with me. I'm just like, how did this guy make it to the UFC, bro? Like, like, and he hasn't really improved. It hasn't really shown any flashes. Like, it, Carl yeah. Williams is just just an, an Amos decision worked him. I don't know. I feel like Shea Sherman's just like that stepping stone at heavyweight at the outside of the top 15. It's like, oh, if you can beat him, you probably are UFC caliber. If you lose to him, you shouldn't be in his organization. I feel like I feel like we have this conversation every time Chase Sherman fights. And it makes more and more sense every time you say it. Like, same way with Dawkins. It just makes more and more sense every time you do it. I look at it like I remember when Jay Miley said um, in our interview with Jay Miley, he said, Dana White knows where to go find his boys. He has his favorite spots to go look in. I feel like that's where he ran into the Vanilla Gorilla. He was happened to be in one of his favorite spots. He was like, oh, huh. Might be able to do something with you. <laughs> do something. Yeah, that only way he has some fucking dirt on Dana. The only way I can see is that still in this fucking organization. He knows where all the skeletons are at, man. Deal will be signed by Tuesday. <laughs> scary man who knows what the skeletons are but our scariest man on the card doesn't matter if he's fucking 42 years old Matt Brown with the one hitter quitter KO walk off clean right hand just fully KO him doesn't even follow up in any hammer fist bro. just kind of stares at him stares at Court McGree as his fucking body is just sitting there unconscious and I mean, that was just such a filthy KO. And I think he broke the record for most KOs in uh, UFC history or some shit with that one. <sighs> oh, God. My goal, in life is to, my goal in life is to be as cool as Matt Brown one day. When you talk Matt Brown, you're talking coolest in the, coolest in the whole UFC. I'm not going to lie to you, man. The way he pulled up, knocked Brown out with the, in the first round, too, I believe. Yeah. And then he just he knew he landed. He knew he landed because it was just a mean straight. It was a straight left or a straight right. I think straight, straight right, left. straight right that cracks. Straight right, straight right that cracks. Man, you can't beat it. You can't beat it. It's that shit that crack. They say crack kills, Paul. 
But yeah, my goal in life is to be as cool as Matt Brown one day. He just tied the record with 13 motherfucking knockouts at 42 years old. Another performance of the night bonus, I believe. Yeah. So yeah, don't fuck with my dog Brown. Yeah, this is a Matt Brown fan club over here, bro. I can't. And then Conor McGregor was saying, oh, he has the record. When I come back, I'm going to beat it. And then Matt Brown told Conor McGregor, we can fight for it. So, and I want to say Conor's like an eight. I'm pretty sure Conor's just finding a way to just to be in every conversation. I wouldn't be shocked. I heard that he's going to be at the boxing fights this weekend. Probably is. I mean, um, he's definitely going to probably show up for the Katie Taylor fight in Ireland. Yeah, it's in Dublin. You know my boy. Then uh, another vet, uh, Alex Morano getting the submission win over Tim Means. Tim Means, like he was cut from the Matt Brown cloth, and he he was looking good. He was he was tagging him, working him, and then he just happened to shoot for a takedown and get caught in that guillotine, and like that bitch got tight, and it was it was the submission right there. I've been telling motherfuckers all year, dog, it's guillotine season. Yeah, that shit was smooth. I'm not gonna lie to you. I mean, I was going for Morano. But like the way the way he locked up the guillotine just so ever so ever so casually, I was like, oh shit, this motherfucker's dangerous. He almost had it on the first takedown, but Tim Means was able to like get out of it and everything. And then when Tim Means goes for the second takedown, lands the takedown again, and then but this his he just leaves his neck out just to get fucking guillotined. I was ready because like said- what's up? I was say, like you said, Paul, man, he had him right where he wanted him. Right where he wanted him, bro. I, when Matt Brown got that KO in the last fight, I was sitting there like, oh, shit, bro. Maybe maybe it's in the water, bro. Tim Means finna come out and get a KO also. But then it happened. Tim Means still one of my favorite fighters at welterweight. Just another one of them OGs that just like to fucking fight. Uh, let's continue to let's continue to stoppage spree. That's what the main card to me was, was a stoppage spree. You had Carlos Uber, KO, CKB. First round, check left hook, puts his lights out, goes in for the hammer fist, stops, hammer fist some more, walked off, looked back like, you want me to go back, ref? You want me, you want me to continue? And the ref at that point, nah, the fight's over, brother. Fight, fight's over. Hey, what my, what, 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 what we say, Paul? CKB, CKB for life. I didn't even know he was a CKB fighter until you told me. And I looked in his cage. Then I looked in the cage, and I was like, oh, that's Eugene back there. And, um, but no, nah, that was fucking funny as fuck because bro was definitely whooping his ass and then got up and was done. He's like, This is, I'm, I'm finished. Yeah. You, I stopped the fight. He literally, said, he stopped his own fucking fight. Like, I don't know. That was probably the most gangster moment of the whole car. Even though Matt Brown's right hand crack was nasty, it was just like, I've never seen a fighter just say, I'm done. Like, y'all stop it when y'all want to, but this fight's over. And the thing about it was he wasn't moving when they when he got up. Like it was, it'd be different if like let's say like he got the fuck up or he tried to like move. he was in the exact same spot. He was like, "Are you not gonna say it or do I gotta go back?" <laughs> you do you, do you not like the guy? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Do you want me to whoop his ass some more? It reminds me of a Khabib. It reminds me of a situation like where Khabib was like, "Where look, is whispering where you gotta quit, buddy. I'm going to fuck you up. You gotta quit." Where my folk was just like. Y'all really not gonna stop this against the Korean zombie? Like, y'all really not gonna stop it? All right. Call, Uber, no. Uber, what is he? Nine and one. I think it's three straight KOs, and all three of his KOs is coming off the same thing a check left hook. Not even something that he's throwing with full power, like off the back foot left hook. And it's just been, I mean, his power has been something, something special so far. 
And if he, if it's striking, because you know CKB like they're striking specialists. So like if we actually see him get into like a technical tactical battle with somebody, I think he this he does he could be dangerous, bro. Hey man, that's a CKB man. When you got a good when you got a good training room, and you got good training partners, you get good results. That's true. Then we brought up Ireland a little bit ago. Talking about Ireland, this is Ireland's number one UFC fighter right here. Just cracked the top 15. Ian Gary getting the nasty first round KO over D Rod. And like I was saying before the fight it happened and on the pod, like D Rod is a great crisp boxer, great hands. It's going to be a good test. Like Ian Gary, I mean, all, like he's known for his stand up, but he has judo in his background. We'll probably see him have to bust it out for this fight. Bro, Ian Gary was on demon time with the way he was just piecing him up. And, like, not only just piecing him up, but, like, causing damage on every piece up where you could see D-Rod backing up. i never really seen D-Rod back up before like that. But, like, D-Rod was backing up. Like, he was feeling it. And there's a couple more combos later. Good night. A head kick. Like, fucking Ian Gary was showcasing everything on his ass. And we have still yet to really see him have to use his black belt judo. And if for you to box the head off of D-Rod who boxed the head off of a lot of other people. I just felt like this was a really like I always had that thought like okay maybe Ian Gary isn't really a, a championship caliber guy. But after this fight, I Ian Gary I think is a championship caliber guy. Like he really sold me on like the the hype is real on this guy. Nah, that I I fuck with Ian Gary since the first since the first fight we covered, bro. Yeah. But I messed with him I messed with him for, for for the fight itself. I thought it was funny that you was giving so much respect to D-Rod. I was like, but we both watched him versus on the loose and we thought he lost. And I was like, huh. But D-Rod fans, but um, respect to D-Rod, he's good. And then when he came in and missed weight, I was like, oh, yeah. He and Gary got this. This is just like when Devin Haney looked at Kipos and said, man, he ain't shit. He ain't even make weight. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see the, was- uh, the brief, like before the, before the weigh-in day, the day before weigh-in? Ian Gary posted on his page, like Instagram page, like a story. He had a Papa John's large pizza and like a thing of weed, like that little, like it. He went to his hotel room, D Rod's hotel room, left it outside and just left it for him. And then following it, he didn't make weight. And people were just like, oh my God. Cause then he has a video of his trainer, like opening the door after so many hours, seeing the stuff and brings it inside for everybody. And that was like, holy shit, Ian Gary got his ass. Like, <laughs> like this is why D Rod missed weight. <laughs> that boy, that boy is a, bro, that yeah, was some WWE was shit, bro. I don't know. That was something special. Yeah, that was fire. I didn't even know about that. But um, yeah, but um, Ian Gary is the truth, man. I think he's in a really, really tough division. He's in a really, really stacked division, but he's he showed us every that he's better than a, every he's a class above. The people that aren't in the rankings, so he's gonna continue to rise. I don't see how it goes. I feel like he's gonna get to like the eight, like I'll probably get into the top ten, and then that's when the, his real challenges are gonna come, and that's when we're gonna see Ian Gary in like his full form, his final form type shit. But he has a game plan, man. He's a great dude. He has like a six fight game plan before he um before he wants to challenge for a championship. He has his mindset. He has. He just he keeps on working. He's just like I fuck. He's an all around great person. And, like and then that shit was funny that you brought up his, um, his story because he has this um like a diary thing going on for his fight camp to promote his um to promote his um fighting and shit like that. 
And it's just nothing but good energy. Like, this man is, does not believe in negativity, even slightly. Him and his team got 15 tatted on him. Post the fight, now he's ranked number 15 in the world. They got 15, one of them got 15 on the side. He got the 15 on his shin. Yeah, it's interesting because, like, how long do you expect to be 15, homie? But what was also even more gangster was he got the 15 in the same font that D-Rod has his chest tattoo in. That, I'm crying. Yeah, 1996, that's like on that like real straight, like that real hood font kind of look to it. Like he got that same font for the 15. But I, bro, you just can't, like, I don't know, bro. The story's writing itself for this guy. Yeah, that boy, D-Rod, that boy, uh, Ian Gary's a gangster, man. I'm fucking broke. Nothing but the best luck to my boy. Now he's got to jump into the main events right here, co-main event, Johnny Walker, unanimous decision over Anthony Smith. Nothing really – I mean, the one thing I'll say is, like, Johnny Walker came in with a game plan and actually stuck to it. We're seeing maturity out of Johnny Walker. This is a new – this is this ain't John Walker. This is Johnny Walker, brother. Like, this is a mature man now. Like, he didn't have – he didn't go in there go he, – he hurt him so many times and never had – it never went crazy. He just – Kept the calm, cool, collected. Right. Do you understand? You, did you watch the fight camp video that they put out from Johnny Walker and Anthony Smith? No, I did not see the camp videos. Johnny Walker's secret weapon is, I want to say his wife, and she's Ukrainian. She could be from Sweden. She's either, like, from Sweden or Ukraine. And, like, she got my boy on a new motherfucking, on a new leaf mover, just movement different. They, She's in charge of his nutrition, I think. I think she makes all his meals and stuff like that for his camps. And you know the motherfucker's a fucking giant. So, like, making weight probably is a very important important part of his camp. So, like, yeah, that's a good – That's a, he has the right people on his team in the first place. And then his wife really, really got him on a point to where he's at a new level of confidence. He really feels like he's he can fuck everybody up in the division. He knows that. There's this isn't the time to lose, so he's gonna keep his winning streak going. He's moving smarter. Johnny Walker is here to fuck shit up forever. And then for a minute, and then it's crazy that Anthony Smith was on the three fight win streak. He took the fight he probably shouldn't have took after his mom died, and then lost that fight. And then he comes to fight Johnny Walker. Now he's on the two fight lose streak. And like Dana White wouldn't have been surprised if he retired that night. I was definitely saying, better stick your ass in the commentating booth, motherfucker. That's what I was saying, post fight but that was just me being a little bit more ignorant <laughs> yeah, i don't think he's terrible i just think um that's just in a vision that it's you're not going it's top heavy you gotta really fuck up everybody if you out there if you can um contender for a championship and um the only thing else about this fight i'll say is i thought it was pretty funny you can rarely especially when there's crowds hear what they're saying but i know you've seen the clip or saw it live whenever anthony smith was yelling at him you came in my family. And John Walker's like, what? Yeah. Like, you came from my family. What? <laughs> that shit was fucking comedy. People do, I don't know, people have their conspiracies on why they think he said it or not. But I don't know. There's so much adrenaline. I feel like Anthony Smith was just on his rocker with that one. I was about to say, what's your conspiracy real quick? Let me hear your best the conspiracy, conspiracy I heard was he, Anthony Smith had his house broken into not too long ago. And he was having PTSD in the octagon. And he thought that he was confusing Johnny Walker for the person who broke into his house. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that was there. Like, he was something, he, uh, something triggered his PTSD. And that's why he, 
was saying I but that's the only conspiracy theory I heard. I, I was like, I'm not gonna I don't think it's true, so I'm not really putting no water to it. But it was also more I think more of a joke conspiracy, who knows? Yeah, that was kind of weird. <laughs> in our main event, it was over in three minutes and forty three seconds. Someone literally texted me, Hey bro, who do you think's winning the main event? I said, bro, it's Jalton Almeida by KO or submission under like before the third round. It's gonna be in the first two rounds. It's any way Jalton wants it. Three minutes, 43 seconds later, submission win. Homie texts me back, holy shit, bro. That motherfucker's the truth. That is exactly what you thought. I was like, yeah, bro. Like, anyone who knows, Almeida is, like, he's the Brazilian, like, Sergey Pavlovich, kind of. Like, mine is Sergey hasn't really shown any submission game or anything. But it's just, like, the way he's able to run through these people, he's fucking filthy. I didn't know, though, he's, like, 36 or 34, so he's not the youngest person. So, like, he does have a more of a, a tighter window on to make the push for the championship. And you know what's crazy about just the heavyweight division in general? Because Johnson Amita is a fucking monster. She showed it. Rosenstrike really didn't have much to do against this motherfucker. Like, it's an issue. But what fucked me up is that he he's so ripped and he's so built. And, like, his genetics are crazy. And he only weighs like two thirty five in that division. Like he could really cut down to two hundred five if he, if he felt if maybe if he was younger, maybe like if he was like in a twenty eight. Oh, he's thirty one. Thirty one, but he turned thirty two pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe if he was like in a twenty eight range. Well, thirty two isn't that bad. But maybe if he was younger, he wouldn't cut the weight. But I, it's crazy to think that he's out there just punishing heavyweights and he's giving up almost like thirty pounds on the weight class. People were saying that, like, uh, Jalton Almeida's and Tom Aspinall's and, like, even Cyril Gone, maybe. They're, like, they're a good reason for maybe a cruiserweight division. And I was like, hey, as someone who watches boxing and they have cruiserweight divisions, that's a dead division, right? <laughs> no one gives a fuck about the cruiserweight champ. Like, and the cruiserweights always end up moving up to heavyweight so they can get some respect and, like, like throw them there. Like, no one wants to be known as the cruiserweight champion of the world. Like, if you're above 200 pounds, you want to be the fucking heavyweight champion of the world. That's facts. Being the baddest man in the planet. Baddest man walking, bro. And Dalton, I mean, everyone's saying, I think Ty Tuvasa should be his next fight just because another fight where he probably takes no damage and squeaks into the top five, and then we get closer to it. But other than that, I don't want to see him fight Tom Aspinall and Aspinall's return fight. I don't really want to see him fight like anyone from 15 to 10. Or like or fifteen to eight. Like I wanna see him go in the upper echelon, but someone from like the, the four to eight or four to seven range, like a Derek Lewis, a fucking Ty to Avasa, just keep the steam going on this train because he's he's legit. Yeah, yeah. I definitely will add fire to this dude. And I think that's why they made him the main event. Cause they're trying and they're trying, they know that like this dude is the truth. And this dude's gonna be a problem for a little second. So like it's nothing but the sky's the limit for bro. I mean, it it comes down to the can you beat the Cerogons? I'm after on John Jones retires, he pays the tires. It's if you can beat the Cerogons and the Derek Lewis's for sure and the tie to Avasas, it's pretty much him versus Sergey to see who's the future of this division. Yeah. And we still gotta see if Tom comes back a hundred percent because leg injuries, man, they're a motherfucker. So we still gotta see that. But outside of that, we broke down the card for y'all boys. We went through all the fights. We talked the whole card. Um, UFC Charlotte, shout out to them. They did show up. Shout out Brian Battle, 14-second KO. Shout out Matt Brown, 
42 year old, still cracking shit. Shout out Alex Morano. It's guillotine season, motherfuckers. Shout out Carlos Uberg and CKB. They're doing great things. Shout out Johnny Walker and his wife. Shout out Ian Gary and the funny shit that he be up to. And shout out Jalton Almeida for putting on putting on for the heavyweights. Let him know that it's time for another Brazilian champ. Facts. A Brazilian champ of heavyweights. Crazy scary. I don't think we've had one since JDS. Oh, I need it. I need it. Uh, but we got to get out of here. Catch us for the Mackenzie Dern, Angela Hill breakdown. Catch us talking some UFC news coming up. There's some, some mega news that's been breaking recently. And uh, if you like boxing, catch us on the boxing picks when we talk Devin Haney versus Loma and we talking Katie Taylor versus Chantel Cameron. It's going to be a great week of combat sports, everybody. As always, this has been Totally Blitz Podcast. I'm Paul, pick and win, I'm Concha. Kevin, water boy, street fight enthusiast, some boy. And as always, y'all didn't know, but now y'all know, motherfuckers.